Welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger. I am your host. This is the podcast where we talk about those super popular books that everyone loved and offer in-depth analysis. No book bashing, of course. First, before we jump into things, I want to remind you and ask you a huge favor. Please, on your iPhone or whatever phone or whatever way you listen to the show, please follow me or press the plus button or whatever it is so that you are getting my new episodes every week. That would be a huge, huge help to me if you follow my podcast. This week, I am going to talk about The Lost Apothecary. Traditionally on this show, I have a guest on who didn't love a super popular book. But guess what, guys? This time, it's me. I just read The Lost Apothecary with one of my book clubs, and I thought this would be an excellent, excellent book to talk about. It's very popular. It just came out within the last year. Super interesting premise. Didn't hate it, but just didn't love it. And I want to share some of my thoughts. Now, on to the show. All right, guys, we are going to jump into The Lost Apothecary. And something else I'm going to do today, since this is a relatively new book, I'm going to do my best to avoid major spoilers, kind of talking about the book in general, some things I like and didn't like and things like that. If I feel a spoiler is coming, I will let you know. But I think I can talk about this book in, in general. So here it is. It's The Lost Apothecary, all right? This was just published in 2021. This is a debut novel written by Sarah Penner. That's, again, her debut novel. Here is our quick summary. So we're in 18th century London, and we have Nella, who is the apothecary. She sells poisons to women to kill men. And she really doesn't have much criteria, but she has two rules. Rule number one is the poison must never be used to harm another woman. And rule number two, the names of the murderer and her victim must be recorded in the apothecary's register. She diligently writes down all of the details. But again, the poison must go to a man. Then we have 12-year-old Eliza who begins to work with Nella. Eliza comes because her mistress wants some poison to kill her husband. And that's how Eliza, a 12-year-old, is introduced to Nella. This is all happening again, you know, in the 1700s. And then we have our present day story where we have Caroline who's having a lot of problems in her marriage and she is in London and she she's a historian, if you will, and she's discovering different clues about the apothecary from 200 years ago and the murders that happened that were never really solved and never really spelled out. This is one of those dual narratives that I think a lot of people like where you have the historical perspective and then the present day. I just read this. I'm I'm recording this here at the end of August 2022 and I read this just a few weeks ago for one of my book clubs. And in general, guys, I thought the premise was pretty interesting. 
pretty unique. I really liked learning about the different herbs. I mean, if you, if you like kind of natural remedies, of course, in this case, a lot of it is not um, remedies. <laughs> it's poison, but, but that aspect, right, is, is pretty interesting. And I'm going to um, quote a couple of things. So like I said, the first rule of this book is only gives the poison to kill men. And that's this premise. This starts on page 30. I'm going to read this. She writes, I only aided women. My mother had held tight to this instilling in me from an early age the importance of providing a safe haven, a, pe- a place of healing for women. London grants little to women in need of tender care. Instead, it crawls with gentlemen's doctors each as unprincipled and corrupt as the next. My mother committed to giving women a place of refuge, a place where they might be vulnerable and forthcoming about their ailments without the vicious appraisal of a man. You kind of read that and you think, well, that's, it's kind of interesting. And then, like I said, so that premise I, I really liked. And then we get into some of the actual poison. So on page 45, Nella is giving one of her poisons to Eliza. Eliza, that's our 12-year-old Eliza. What kind of poison is it? And Nella says it's Nuxavamaka, rat poison. And she's hidden the rat poison in an egg. And she explains, going back to page 45, an egg is the ideal place for the crushed seed as the yolk, vicious and cool, preserves it no different than if there were a baby chicken inside. I thought those kind of details and there's other details where she, you know, has to go out at, you know, at midnight, certain times of night to get certain ingredients, certain types of, you know, herbs and all sorts of different things. That to me was kind of one of my my favorite aspects of of this book. And then she also answers the question. The question you're curious is why does she record everything, right? (laughs) Of course, that's the question you want to know. And she answers it. She says, for many of these women, Nella whispered, this may be the only way their names are recorded. The only place they will be remembered. It is a promise I made to my mother to preserve the existence of these women whose names would otherwise be erased from history. Again, like I said, I I did kind of enjoy the aspect of learning about the these different and again it's not really remedies per se. She does have a cut she does mention some remedies, you guys, but but a lot of it is these these poisonous in- ingredients. But learning about the herbs and I thought that was really really fascinating. What I want to tell you is I really enjoyed more kind of Nella's story, which again is the historical. She's our apothecary from the 1700s. We have present day Caroline, who I mentioned is is kind of a historian who, who really stumbles upon the history pretty easily. I did not like her story as well. I did not feel um, connect with it. I'm not even sure it was necessary, if I'm being quite candid. And several of us in the book club kind of asked the same question, like, did we even need this this present-day story? And there were a couple of twists and turns in the present-day story that just didn't make 
a lot of sense. But I do want to read, not everyone agrees with me, of course, because this isn't everyone loved it but me. So this is a popular book, guys. I'm going to share both positive and negative. Publishers Weekly basically says, I'll include the links in the show notes. Penner's story starts strong, but peters out as the engaging premise gets muddled in convenient plot turns. Though the author does a good job of making two disparate stories into eventual foils for one another, this has a few things going for it, but in the end, it fails to cast a spell. I actually think I do agree with with Publishers Weekly there, but again, like I said, not everyone does. So I want to let you know, I always like to add these, everyone loved it, but me statistic, as I mentioned, the lost apothecary just came out. So we're talking just about a year ago and it already has 228,000 ratings on Goodreads. Average is about 3.76 stars out of five. It actually was an instant New York times bestseller debuted at number seven. And right now, they're in the works to turn it into a drama series on Fox. It was a book of the year top five finalist. It was on the USA Today Publishers Weekly bestseller list for three months. It was an international bestseller in Canada, Belgium, Sweden, and Spain. It is going to be translated into 40 languages worldwide. Many positive reviews from NPR the library journal and as I mentioned it will be adapted into the television drama series I still think I will totally watch it you you guys there's no question about it as I mentioned Sarah Penner is debut author and she's has a bit of an interesting background so she was born and raised in northeast Kansas she grew up in a small log cabin nestled deep in the woods and this is on her website this picturesque retreat where i lived until early adulthood frames most of my early memories and i thought that that was so interesting because nella is her main character who retreats to the woods and spends a lot of time and that's where she is you know getting all of these different herbs and with the plants and and things like that. And actually, Sarah Penner, you know, grew up in the woods. I thought that was super interesting. She describes that she began writing seriously in 2015. And she actually has been in finance for many years. But now she writes full time. She's an avid traveler. And she writes on her, her webpage, though my heart is stuck in London which is, as I have mentioned, uh, the, the centerpiece for this particular novel. And she graduated from the University of Kansas with a degree in finance. And in early 2021, after 13 years in corporate America, that's when she left her day job shortly after this book was published. And she says, I'm thrilled now to call myself a full-time writer. And I, I will say, I want to share kind of just a couple of my general problems with, with the book. And I'm going to be very candid on this. I am not a historian at all. But I have to say, and I mentioned this in, in my book club as well, 
I felt like, you know, in this time period, right, in, in the late 1700s, I've learned a lot of my history from Jane Austen. <laughs> and what Jane Austen taught me in Pride and Prejudice and so many of her books is that if a man dies, the woman's problems aren't going to end. So basically what will happen is another guy is going to come and inherit the estate. The woman doesn't end up inheriting the estate. And I, I was actually, I did go to a Jane Austen webpage. This is Inheritance and the Need for a Widow's Pension in Jane Austen's Novels. This was written by Regina Jeffers. This was published in November 6, 2017, which really does talk about this. I'm going to, to get into this a little and it said what it occurred if there were no sons to inherit, as is the case of Mr. Bennett and Austin's Pride and Prejudice. Under English law, women were subordinate to their husbands. It was expected that she was under the protection and influence of her husband, her baron, or lord. So if the man died then the woman did not necessarily inherit the estate. And, and in this book, a lot of those details don't really get discussed, but you kind of think that there's a bit of a happily ever after for the woman. Like, oh, you know, she got rid of the dude, so now you know everything's fine. But I'm not so sure that that would have been the case at all. One thing I would have enjoyed a little bit more is to have learned the backstories of these women who decided to kill their husbands. It's hard. I mean, of course, you end up cheering for, for Nella and, and, of course, the 12-year-old Eliza. I mean, you're rooting for them, but you don't really know the stories of exactly why these women are deciding to kill these men. And I think that would have been a little more interesting. And several of us thought that in, in the book club, we talked about that. And it, it was also hard to take, I, maybe even the fact that she broke down every single name and exactly what happened I, I just I also found that kind of hard to believe that is why I wanted to read to you early on her reason for doing it right the reason she broke down every single name every single person who was killed but but for me I, I had some some challenges kind of finding that that believable as I said, I did enjoy kind of the, I mean, it's a unique premise, you guys. It's, it's a really unique. And I want to look, I do want to add, I was looking at NPR and what they start out, I'll include this link in the show notes. The lost apothecary is engrossing from the onset, although some might be slightly appalled by Nella's profession. Penner immerses us in 1791 London, patiently revealing Nella's backstory and the circumstances that influence her decision to turn her mother's apothecary shop, once a place for healing, into a haven for betrayed women who believe they have no other choice but murder. That premise, again, is, is pretty good. 
And the NPR article goes on to say, refreshingly, this book is not a procedural or a study in the psychosis of a serial killer. What it does is create an affinity for the reader with Nella, Eliza, and Caroline. Caroline's the present day character. We root for the three main characters, wanting them to find a way around the problems that escalate in surprising ways. And the, this, I'm going to read just a bit more from the NPR review. The NPR adds, wow, the lost apothecary feels like it gets off to a slow start. So keep that in mind. I agree with that. It is a bit of a slow start. Penner builds tension by planting us deep into each woman's psyche. Then, as the characters dig in, she upsets their foundations and shifts their expectations. So each character, Nella, Eliza, and Caroline, must think quick to avoid falling deeper into a ditch they don't see ahead. And neither do we, which only adds to the fun. And they have this great, great quote they add in the NPR article from Nella. You cannot be betrayed by someone you do not trust. But, and then NPR says, you can trust Sarah Penner's The Lost Apothecary to keep you turning the pages. And I will say, it's a very quick read. And if you kind of like women-centric stories, you're, you might like this one. You might like it a lot. And I was looking on another... Goodreads review. This is from uh, Nilifer Osmanekik. She writes, an Avenger female who can concoct poisonous formulas to help you get rid of man trouble. This hell of an outstanding synopsis idea put this book on my radar. To the attention of the abusers, cheaters, bullies, and most disgusting human wastes who treat the women like doormats. You should beware because there's an intelligent, vicious angel of death who is also apothecary who's coming after you. So you can see why people really enjoy this. But then, you know, I didn't actually think it was dull, but I was reading another review that said, how can this story be so dull. It's about a secret apothecary that dispenses poison to women so that they can kill their nearest and dearest for crying out loud. It starts off with much premise, but this review feels like, you know, the blurb completely grabbed them. And this review says, to say this story is slow is an understatement. With a dual timeline, there's always this fear that one of them might be more compelling than the other. And that's definitely what happened here. The storyline with Nella and Eliza is the focal point. But even then, what should have been a fascinating narrative quickly becomes plotting. And again, this this reviewer says Caroline's story is completely unnecessary. I agree with that as well. I really felt like we this entire book could have just been our apothecary Nella's story. That's, that's something I, I want to say. But this, you know, I, I don't want to spoil everything. I'm just kind of telling you the, the basics because this might be one that based on what I'm saying and what I like and don't like about it, you might actually decide to pick it up. It, and at the end, 
Uh, sorry, guys. I'm going to turn the page just for a second. You know, if you are somebody who is, you know, kind of a naturalist, if you're very big, maybe into essential oils. I've a couple of people in my book club said, you know, they they get into she gets into a lot of different, you know, essential oils and their benefits. You know, tea tree provides itch relief. Lavender promotes relaxation. Peppermint promotes focus and mental clarity and different kinds of herbal teas, the benefits of them, home apothecary supplies, and the list goes on and on. There, this book also gets into mudlarking, mudlarking sites for beginners. So I think, okay, and she also has some recipes at the back, and I'm not talking about the deadly recipes, you guys. We're talking about things like, you know, well, this is, you know, the balm for bugs and boils, rosemary butter biscuit cookies, those butter biscuit cookies. I I have quite a sweet tooth, and I have to confess that I, I might end up making the, these cookies. Lady Clarence's Curious Cordial, which looks looks really good. It's also interesting to me, my daughter, who was 18, had read this book earlier, and she loved it. So a lot of people are enjoying it. It really is fascinating. Um, PR describes it as a poisonly good read. And it has a lovely cover, an absolute lovely cover. And like I said, I just didn't love it. I'm, I bet I didn't hate it. I'm right, probably stuck in the middle. I'd say somewhere around a three out of five stars. There are a lot of things that just didn't seem that realistic to me, but the premise is, is pretty interesting. I mean, like I said, it is very popular as I mentioned in, in the statistics. So I want to thank you for listening to the show. As always, I love nothing better than analyzing and talking about literature. It's one of my most favorite things to do. If you ever have that super popular, everyone loved it but me book that you'd like to see me discuss on the show, please send me an email. Reach out to me on my website. It's www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. And you can also find me, you know, on Twitter and Instagram. I have all, I'm, I'm on social media and I have a Facebook page. Again, thank you so much for your time. I hope that you have a lovely day. And most importantly, I hope that you have time to read today. Mm-hmm.